When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so just when you think you're settled in for a nice regular Tuesday night, some office reruns, wife's making some muffins, you're thinking, when am I going to record that next episode of the Pats Interference Podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network? You text your buddy Tommy Kern. You say, hey, Tom, what do you think about coming on tomorrow? Midday, early afternoon, you pick. Tom says, sorry, guy. Shit's hit the fan. I got to lay low for a while. I go, what's happening, pal? calls me and he updates me on what I missed being off Twitter for the first time virtually all day and that it's his report from Monday night that flew under the radar somehow in this cycle for 24 hours is that Robert Kraft a month ago after the Patriots lost in Germany to the Colts decided he was going to part ways with Bill Belichick boom there it is According to Tommy Kern, I'll read you his words so you know exactly what he said and exactly what the report was. Quote, this is on Arbella Early Edition of NBC Sports Boston, good friend Trenny. Tom said, quote, when they came out of Germany, conversations I had that week made it very clear that a decision was made. They were going to play out the string. And at the end of the year, there would be a parting of the ways for a variety of reasons. Tom later continued, it had gone too far. The Germany game, the commanders game, the Saints game, all huge marquee games, and then there was that Chargers game after that. Just because they won last week in Pittsburgh in primetime, I don't think it quells anything. Well, so, a uh, lot to unpack there. First of all, the obvious point is what we've been expecting for a while. Tommy came on this podcast weeks before he heard this, apparently after Germany, so we're talking like second week in November, uh, and he and I agreed that the most likely outcome, this was, like, this was week six, okay, was that they would split. At the end of the season, it wasn't reading tea leaves. It was looking at the roster, the history of coaches who win 45% of their games or over a four-year span, the drafts, craft proclamations, the offseason. I want to make playoffs and said, yeah, this is not going to get any better when Mac Jones is playing like he was and you lost your two best players on defense, Matt Judon and Christian Gonzalez for the year to injury. So I would say this, that if you don't believe this report, I would ask yourself why. Because I would suspect it's either because you don't like the cut of Tom's jib or you just don't like what the news has to say. Because Tom's track record speaks for itself. Again, this was multiple conversations he had. Tom is someone who predates Belichick in the market. His relationship with ownership is well documented, so much so it's in multiple books. Okay, And in fact, the book about the Patriots dynasty, Britt Bay, Seth Wickersham. So this is a guy who's been a drinking buddy with Brady for a little while, talked a lot with Alex Guerrero, has been open about that, okay, was all over Brady's exit from his perspective and ownerships. And so because of that track record and the facts of the case that I just laid out, again, think of any head coach or GM that typically survives a four-year span where you win 45% of your games. Not many, let alone when that person has both jobs, okay, and the terrible drafts, 2022, 
Jury's back. Stinks. 2019, no one's here. No one's left. Kyle Duggar, Josh Uche, Michael Wenner. Nice hits. In 2020, all might be leaving soon when they could have been locked up to extensions. The Patriots still have a ton of cash and cap space. Okay? Point to someone getting fired. And after that loss, which I thought was the end of the Mac Jones era, <laughs> oh, no, apparently it was the end of the Bill Belichick era. Two and eight, one of the worst interceptions you or I, and I don't care who you are listening to this or watching this, have ever seen when Mac threw the ball away. And Belichick, honestly, in retrospect, probably made an emotional decision as much as Bailey Zappi has been proven to be a, a better quarterback than broken Mac Jones over the last few weeks. And I, I, we're not doing the Mac Zappi debate. I talked a lot about Bailey Zappi last week with Doug Kai. Great episode, by the way. I don't say that a lot. Give it a listen if you haven't already. And so I will just add this because I talked to someone recently about Belichick's end of this. And this person told me that he has expressed within the building, people he works with closely, uncertainty about next year. And let's be honest, that's not, that's not entirely surprising. But it cuts against, and I'll use the word that I wish just could be shot into the sun, narrative. Maybe rumors is better, put out by folks like Dan Orlowski, not reporters who understand how to inf handle information, then package it and pass it on. Most importantly, get it confirmed, like it sounds Tommy Curran has in multiple places, as far as his reporting goes, that Belichick knows he's gone and knows where he's going next. Which, I'll remind you, NFL stands for National Football League, and not for long. And that goes for the players, it goes for coaches, it goes for any kind of plans. So... I trust, of course, my reporting. Otherwise, I wouldn't share it here. If Belichick doesn't know where he's going to be, and if you think, well, he should run out, I don't think so. You work in one place for 24 years. you got your sons both on staff. You have full control and power if you can extend that for another year. And, of course, have convinced yourself this isn't all your fault. I mean, come on. You just had bad injury luck, a bunch of close games. Bill talks about close games every single time he's on the radio now. All right? He thinks he can turn this around. He doesn't want to go anywhere in an ideal world. But of course, you and I both know this has not been an ideal world basically since Tom Brady walked out the door. Which really, if you want to make the greatest point of all, is that after this season, it'll have been five years for the New England Patriots without a playoff win. Now granted, <laughs> most NFL teams are okay with that because you look at the Miami Dolphins, those who got spanked on Monday Night Football, they have not won a playoff game in over two decades. That's an aside. Back to this. If Robert Kraft has made his decision, and Belichick, as I just told you, seems to not know what the future holds for him. Again, telling people very, very close to him that he's uncertain and doesn't know. Well, obviously, he's going to start making plans. So what do those look like? Well, it's back channels with his agent to other owners or executives. It's probably assembling a staff very quietly because we all know how the season's going to end. Okay, they're 3-10 and 10 right now. This is going to end 4-13 and 13 or 5-12 and 12, or heck, they might go 3-14, and 14, at which point, and Chad's been on the podcast. I have all the respect in the world for Chad Finn of the Boston Globe, but I think he might be the only one in the market that wants Belichick to stay. Honestly, a beautiful zag here as we just, as Tom said, play out the string of the season. But if it's 3-14 and 14, and that's where we're headed, I mean, come on. We all know what's coming. And apparently Robert Kraft has known for a month. And I think it's understandable. I think it's the same decision I would have made in that moment. This team is beyond the dysfunction that I documented and reported on last year. Is a bad, hollowed-out, rotten football team with a bad coaching staff, and they all know. And it appears, as they've all been waiting, because the only way we're going to know this for sure, and there, I can tell you, there are people in the front office, in the locker room, uh, elsewhere in football operations, waiting for the end-of-the-year meeting, when this will become concrete. And concrete, not necessarily in a way that 
Kraft will sit down and just fire him. No, no, no. They might have to negotiate a trade. And let's not forget, I just mentioned Belichick as an agent. Most coaches do. Um, when they renegotiated last offseason, I would not be surprised, this is purely speculation, if Belichick has uh, some sort of clause. It might be a no-trade clause. It might be control over his destination, if I am going to be traded kind of clause, which is to say, of course, the Crafts would rather deal an asset than just cut it loose for nothing. And then if Belichick wants to get in the way, he could. So we will either know whether this is a clean split via trade, clean split via firing, which, hey, maybe the Crafts are intent on just washing their hands and moving forward, or it gets messy. Okay. So what happens up until that meeting? Is kind of the good stuff here, right? I mean, like, I'm excited to watch Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and maybe Taylor Swift come in on Sunday. And we've got four more games of football. And I tell you all the time, savor the football while we have, okay? But this behind closed doors messaging is going to be really interesting because we've already broken down some of the, oh, Belichick signed this lucrative multi-year contract from the NFL Network and said, hmm, that's probably not accurate. All the reporting since then, it's not. What do we know now? Belichick is in basically a contract here because no coach in the NFL plays out as a lame duck. That's basically what he is now. And so what will he do, if anything, to steer this messaging back around? Because right now, Kraft is in the driver's seat of this whole PR campaign. And maybe Bill doesn't care. He is famous for not caring. There is football coach in Wikipedia, GM of the Patriots, which somehow comes up faster when you Google him, and then person who does not give a flying F. That's Bill Belichick in three titles. But I would argue he probably does. And how that comes out and how that manifests is a real question mark to me. But it sure as hell is really intriguing because right now I'm sure he does not love the questions that will come flying as we record here Tuesday and I draw my pen. A Wednesday morning in his press conference or Friday and then Monday again on the radio and then Wednesday after that and the Friday after that. We go on and on and on. Because right now, whether the crafts wanted the sound or not, Tom Curran let the cat out of the bag. That cat is walking slowly all around Belichick's office, and there's nothing he can do to kick it out until we get to January 7th or 8th. And then they have their meeting, and we will all find out soon thereafter what is going to happen. But as far as we know now, and I believe this, and I think you should too, Kraft has made up his mind. We all know the reasons why. And does Bill push back? Does Kraft add to this? Does he say anything? Does he come out against it? For PR purposes. I don't know. But my ears are open and so are my eyes. And yours should be too. So it used to be that the Patriots played their best football after Thanksgiving. Well, I'm here to tell you we don't have to wait for turkey and mashed potatoes and football for you to win and place your best bets of the year with FanDuel America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks with a single bet if the team that you pick wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, I'm telling you, there's no better time than now to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. I do it all the time. There's a wide range of options, too, if you don't like betting options, like the money line. That's for me. If it's not for you, go for point spreads, player props, over-unders, and tons more. Just visit FanDuel.com Boston and get your winning in the NFL season, no matter what the Patriots do. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 year older in present Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager is required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as is a non withdrawable bonus bet that expires seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. 
gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk a little more Cunningham. Not much more because he's not on the team anymore. Patriots lost him to the Ravens who signed him from the Patriots practice squad. The number one seed in the AFC looked down at the worst team in the AFC and said, hey, that guy in your practice squad is good enough to be on our active roster. So Malik Cunningham, um, I, this must have been a first, right? Like gets signed to an active roster, undrafted rookie, on a practice squad. Sends a message to Adam Schefter to then release to the world, uh, thanking Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick. I call this staple standard stuff, you know, about getting an opportunity and believing in me. And he mentioned he wants to be a coach one day. And that's wonderful. So he was taking notes from Belichick. And I don't want to belabor the point that I think Malik should have been playing. You know that by now. He was elevated the last two games. Zero snaps. That's all he had. Week six, we all know. Six snaps. Three as a receiver. Three as a quarterback. They didn't go well. But at that point in time, he was good enough to be in the active roster, which all says the Patriots don't seem to know what the hell they were doing with Malik Cunningham. And frankly, should have pivoted to playing him at quarterback as soon as they sensed. Not waited for Mac Jones to be benched in Dallas. But the moment they had an inkling, this might be going south, and there is no way to put this in reverse. Because obviously that's what it is. I mean, they have the worst healthy quarterbacks room in the league. And they didn't. They split Malik Cunningham's time. They wasted his time. And just like they wasted the early part of Mac Jones' career the last couple of years with the lack of support for him, and Bailey Zappi, um, they've done it now with Malik Cunningham. But at least Malik Cunningham, as Schefter also put in the tweet from the Patriots, to the playoffs, we'll get to play or at least hang around uh, in mid-January, which should be some very exciting football and a great reunion for him with Lamar Jackson, um, teammates in college for just one year. And obviously Malik, you know, if you want to do the cheap, obvious comparison is like your store brand knockoff Lamar. Um, and that's that. So good for Malik. The Patriots now have three open spots on the practice squad. And the Ravens, thanks to one of those former practice squad players, have another quarterback on their active roster. Okay. Um, I think I had more on that. Oh, no. The last part about Malik. Probably the most interesting part about Malik had nothing to do with him. It had to do with Instagram. Because Patriots players on their off day came out in full force to say goodbye. And we wish you well. And good for you. Because as you've heard me say in this podcast and elsewhere, Malik Cunningham had the support of the locker room in a way that Mac Jones has not, frankly, for probably close to two months. They believe in him. They see how smart he is. They wanted to see him play. And congrats, they will. But it'll just be for the Baltimore Ravens. But the one quote that had to catch your attention, and I tweeted this out, was from Trent Brown, who said, quote, go flourish where your talent is respected. So if you think I've been harping on Malik Cunningham to play, and I'm Malik Manick, uh, I'm just here to tell you I got some company, and that is a six foot eight, 380-pound man who plays left tackle for the New England Patriots. Because... He was not alone in the locker room. Told you so. And I, there were about a dozen guys who expressed well wishes on Instagram, which you might be like, oh, what does that mean? I don't know. I'll let their words speak for themselves. Because I, I don't remember another player, uh, especially an undrafted rookie, who got all that love for going to another team, let alone a rival. And those stories and screenshots and everything are out there so you can go find them. Okay, we're going to wrap up with a mailbag. These are questions that I did not get to last week. And I think one or two from even last month. Uh, so we'll try to breeze through these and get out of here. Quote, Boston GM. This was one of these from uh, last month. 
Go if Bill does go elsewhere, be it via trade or firing or whatever, why wouldn't he just uproot the entire coaching staff and have the same infrastructure on a new team? People wondering if Kraft will keep the rest of the coaching staff in place. Who's to say they'll even be here? Can Kraft block guys from following Bill out the door? Like Bill blocked guys from following Josh to Vegas. Now that I say this question, I do think I've addressed this in some form. Uh, but let's just address it anyway, because this whole episode is about what happens if Bill does go elsewhere. And it sounds like he absolutely is, uh, according to Tom Kern's reporting. So here's the thing. Uh, as I said before, coaches have contracts. And I would look at a guy like Ross Douglas, who just left as their Patriots receivers coach. And he joined the team in 2021 and then got a new job the year after. So being last season to move to receivers coach. Assistant coaches typically sign two to three year contracts. And so I don't know if Ross was on a, a two-year contract, three-year contract, whatever it was, but he obviously had some agency to make a move and to leave to go to Syracuse for what seems like a lateral position. He might have gotten more. He's told people he got more who have been inside the building, um, but we'll see. Anyway, the point is, if your contract's up, you're free to go. You can do whatever the hell you want. It's like Nick Kelly, who left for the Rams last year. Um, some assistants who went with Josh McDaniels to Vegas. The only way you can block people from leaving is if they're under contract and it's for a lateral job because those under contract who want to become coordinators or coordinators who want to become head coaches, they have a right to go take those jobs into interview. So I think all of those assistants and the people in the front office would first have to ask themselves, you know, do I want to go with Belichick? And if they do, but they're under contract and Kraft doesn't want them to go, well, tough luck. Now that also might not be up to Kraft. It could be the new GM. It could be the new head coach. Uh, or their wives or partners or whatever it might be. But the point is the contract piece comes into this more than you think with coaches. Um, and so I would you know, safely probably bank on Brian and Steve Belichick go with him. If Bill needs an offensive coordinator at Washington or with the Chargers or with the Bears, wherever he's going to go, McDaniels will probably join him there. And they'll piece together a staff. But, you know, he, he just can't copy and paste the whole part of the football operations and the media guide and paste it into a new franchise. Mike from Ireland. Mike, I think I owed you this question the longest, so we're going to dust all of the uh, dust off of here. Andrew, would you be able to run through the different tiebreakers for the Patriots when it comes to draft picks versus different teams? Roll on the tank. So here is the breakdown. Now, I'm glad I honestly uh, took so long to get to this because if you were watching a Monday Night Football as a Patriots fan, you had a great night. The Giants won. The Titans won. And so what that did was it vaulted them further back on the draft order and left the Patriots second still and behind them third of the Cardinals. And those are the only two teams in the league right now with three wins because everyone after them, Washington, Chicago, Vegas, the Jets, Giants, and now Tennessee all have five wins. The only exception actually is Washington with four. But the point is the Patriots odds of getting a top three pick increased while they sat at home and did nothing. So, Let's say the Patriots and Cardinals, as they do right now, have 3-10 and 10 records and we need to get to tiebreakers. Because right now, basically, if you're a Patriots fan, you're rooting for the Panthers, who are number one. They are 1-12. Okay? You're rooting for the Cardinals to win. They're 3-10. and 10, And the Commanders, who are the only ones really threatening you uh, to, to leap up. Because unless the Patriots win two games, and let's be honest, I don't think any of us see that happening. Uh, those are the ones that are threatening to take away Caleb Williams or Drake May or Jaden Daniels or whatever you want to talk about. So, it's win-loss record. Is, is the first measure of draft order, okay? Then it goes to strength of schedule. The Patriots have a higher pick than the Cardinals. Again, both 3-10, and 10, 
because they have faced a slightly weaker schedule and have the same record. Then it's head-to-head, if applicable, have not played the Cardinals, did play the Commanders, Commanders won. Um, Then it's win percentage versus common opponents with a minimum of four teams. This will get a little dicier because, you know, um, the Patriots play the NFC. So, again, I think the Commanders would come into play here, having only played at least the other three teams in the division. I don't know if they had a fourth. And then you get into strength of victory, which I don't think is really worth our time discussing here. The point is, if the Patriots lose out, they have at least a top two pick. Okay, if they just win one game, they will have a top four pick. And honestly, that's what we're looking at here. I think the only game they're going to win this season is the last one against the Jets. So if you agree, I wouldn't worry about it. But again, win-loss record, strength of schedule, head-to-head if applicable, then win percentage versus common opponents. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Moving on. Um, you know what? Let me give you the, the, the schedules, too, because I have these typed down. You should know. Patriots, remaining four games, versus Kansas City, at Denver, at Buffalo, versus the Jets. The Panthers, again, 1-12, so they would need to win twice to fall back to the Patriots and Cardinals at 3-10, versus Atlanta, versus Green Bay, at the Jaguars, and versus the Bucs. A couple, couple of winnable games. Um, the Cardinals, home for the 49ers, at the Bears, at the Eagles. Versus the Seahawks. So again, Patriots lose out. You have nothing to worry about. They win one. Eh, should still probably have a top four pick. Um, but you definitely don't want them to win two. All right. Alex is, uh, or was asking last week, which five players already on the roster are must-haves for next year's team? This is easy. Matt Judon, Christian Gonzalez, David Andrews, Jabril Peppers. And then you can pick one. I'll probably do it for the positional balance. I would say Christian Barmore. But... You could make a very good case for Kyle Duggar, who I think is a slightly better player um, than Christian Barmore. Part of this is age, talent. You know, where are you in your career? Like, Devon Gottschall is playing sneaky, excellent ball right now. But I think Barmore has a higher ceiling, more positional flexibility, and is on a cheaper deal. So you would obviously want him. You might be, give me the stink guy over Peppers and Andrews. I would fold Judon into this too. I mean, obviously he's the best player on the roster, but you need, when you're rebuilding, culture drivers. Like veterans who are walking the walk and talking the talk and have the trust of the coaching staff and also trust that coaching staff in a way that there's kind of a two-way street here. So you need that message getting through to the locker room, not just from the coaches, but people in it. Guys like Andrews, Peppers, Judon, either captains or future captains or unnamed captains. Like that's who you want in there. Um, you know, if you want to talk teacher twice, like, okay, I, I still think you'd rather have Barmore uh, over a guy like that and Duggar too, but he's going to be a free agent and an expensive one at that. All right. Edward again, last week asking, isn't the real issue with Bill coming back that his offensive scheme is overly complicated and outdated, making it hard to draft offensive skill players. I know people want to divorce GM Bill from coach Bill, but GM Bill, excuse me, coach Bill players for an old system. So I wrote about the offense a lot in 2020, which obviously remember was the pandemic season and the Patriots modified it. 
simplified it. And because really, like I think you're hinting at, the year before Brady's last season, it kind of collapsed under the weight of its own complexity. And it wasn't complex for the sake of being complex, but it basically had an answer for every single defensive scheme encounter, which is a car you can drive when you have the world's best driver who's seen every kind of road and intersection in Tom Brady. But when you need to put someone else in the driver's seat, might get a little overwhelmed and not be able to direct traffic for other people, which kind of screwed up my analogy, but you get the point. So what I would say now about this current offense is not that it's overly complicated or outdated. I would say, first of all, the receivers stand can we cover this. But the schemes they've been running, frankly, for the last four to six weeks have been all day one install concepts, like very basic things. They're just not good at it. And you can run simple offense and succeed. I mean, the Colts, the Peyton Manning of the 2000s, like, that was one of the smaller playbooks in the league going back and talking to people and reading about those times and watching it as I did every single Sunday. So you either need the talent to execute a simple offense where, Hey, we know it's one of a few things that are coming, but you're going to beat us anyway, or you build it out and build it out and build it out as Josh McDaniels did. And then you have those answers and someone who can get to them. But the Patriots, as we all know, didn't have great talent in 2019 and no matter amount of scheme that you had could uh, offset that or help it or cover up for it. So Again, the offense has changed a lot from Brady's last year to Cam Newton year to Mac Jones and a rookie quarterback. And then, you know, last season with Matt Patricia when they're trying to do this hybrid store brand Ram stuff to now Bill O'Brien incorporating some Alabama concepts. But like the foundation, the base is actually not all that complicated. Sometimes players struggle with transition, like a Taekwon Thornton or Billy Zappi. But the days where this system was outdated, I mean, honestly, most NFL teams run the same stuff. It's just how do you get to it? And then who are the Jimmys and Joes bringing to life those X's and O's? And again, some, some coaches are more creative. They'll develop new concepts or tempo or motion, um, whatever it might be. But, you know, the, the sport as we know it is 60, 70 years old. Okay. So there's not a ton of innovation aside from like that small burst or cheap motion, whatever you want to call what Mike McDaniel's doing. And it's since been copycatted all over the league. Um, so it's, it's, once upon a time, yes, the system was too complex, but that's not the issue now. They said the roster talent is no good. So even when you're running simple stuff and they don't get it, you're you're really SOL. Gary, we're going to end with you. Uh, a lot of scenarios, more Bill. What are the chances this happens on a scale of 1 to 10? Option number one, Bill and Kraft cannot agree on needed changes to keep him here. Option number two, Kraft holds out for a first-round pick. No one bites. Uh, oh, you know what? Oh, <laughs> this is all one. This is all option one. Again, what are the chances this happens? Bill and Kraft do not agree on needed changes. Then Kraft holds out for a first-round pick and nobody bites. Kraft refuses to let Bill out of his contract. Belichick says, uh, screw it, and resigns. Bill takes the job at Navy. Okay, that was a wild ride where I couldn't read the question, then stumbled through the question, and we ended up with Bill coaching the team that brought more joy to his face as we saw at college game day. I don't want to talk about McAfee. Uh... On Saturday, then we have seen, and I think years. So I'm going to put this at a point one, uh, mostly because I, I, Bill has never coached college football. As people when I covered college football told me, 80% of that job is recruiting 16 to 18 year olds and getting them to come to them. Honestly, not even that, 15 to 17 year olds and persuading them to come into your program. And even if you've got the backing of the military and Bill's at home and like that cell job is very different than like, Come to Mississippi State because we're a family and like here's five hundred dollars, uh, five hundred thousand uh, dollars. It used to be in a suitcase, now it's just handed to you. 
Like he's he's not going on the road making those calls, shaking those hands, kissing those babies. So I love the question in a way because it brings us full circle. Uh, but I, I the first part was more interesting. If we knocked off the first the last two and just stuck with Bill and Kraft can't agree on changes, Kraft holds out for a first round pick and refuses to let Bill out of his contract while he's not getting what he wants. Well, folks, I just said what's coming is the good stuff. That is the tasty, great Michelin star, delicious kind of content that we love. But we're going to need to wait at least five to six more weeks for that. Meanwhile, as we know, Tommy Kern reporting that uh, Robert Kraft has not waited at all. He has made up his mind. Bill Belichick is going to part ways with the organization. How messy or clean that is, we don't know. Until then, keep all your eyes and ears on One Patriot Place, as I will be, and anything more that I hear, aside from, again, Bill expressing his uncertainty about what will come next year, meaning he does not have a plan set out just yet um, because he might want to play the media game. What does he have to lose now? He's a dead man walking, and the rest of the football watching world knows it. All right, we'll catch you next uh, later this week. I think it'll be Friday with our episode. Last week, I teased having a couple guests on with stories from the sidelines, stuff you have never heard before. That is being pushed a week. So we will have a guest to preview the Chiefs game, update you on any kind of more storylines and stuff, some palace intrigue to come out of Foxborough on Friday, uh, recap of the Chiefs game early next week with my film notes, and then, as promised, that episode, which is going to be a ton, 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 ton of fun. And I'm still not going to reveal these guests. Doug couldn't guess it uh, if you watched or hung out with us last time. So until then, be well.